0: be live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet podcast. And tonight, tonight we have a very special guest here. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet uh, this gentleman at an improv class in January of 2020. Before everything went crazy, we were able to, to finish the class in person before the world melted down. And we even had uh, planned to do a play together. Uh, but those plans, like many, many others, were altered. Um, and just like life was altered. Uh, but he's such a cool guy, and he has a great sense of humor. And he has a lot of really cool life experiences. And uh, once I knew he was also a, a reggae fan, uh, I knew we would get along great. Uh, COVID got in the way, of course, like I said. But uh, I knew he'd be a good guest. And so now we find out uh, if he in fact will be a good guest, because he's here tonight <laughs> on the No Outlet podcast. So please help me give a warm welcome to Mr. Bob Sheasley. Hey, Bob, how are you? Ah,
1: ah,
0: ah. <laughs> uh, red, uh, the red carpeted trumpets.
1: I love it. <laughs> you should see all the that's people a here. A warm in the welcome. Oh, well,
0: hey, that's this, this the only kind uh, I, I like to give. Um, So we're going to play a game called 20 Questions, and it always starts in the exact same place, and that's question number one. Uh, Question number one, do you believe in the ability to travel through time?
1: Yes. Hmm. I believe that that is going to... In fact, I was thinking about that. I'm so glad you asked, Ethan. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Because... (laughs) I actually was thinking about that last night. I was reading Brian Green's book. Um, Love Brian Green. Called, yes. In fact, he I was supposed to I think it's called Until Play... the End of Time.
0: Is that what it's called? No, no it's actually The Elegant Universe. The oh, okay. Elegant
1: Universe. Okay. Um, he was supposed to be in Portsmouth last year. I'm not going to go too off topic because you did ask me a question I want to answer. But I was thinking about. That the idea that there's multiple dimensions, there are more dimensions than we may be aware of. Yep. And then the the missing piece is the the time thing. We all think of time as one. You know, time is linear. There's you, you can't you can only go forward in time. But what if that were not the case? That's right. So I'm going to hold out hope that there is the possibility to do that. So my answer is.
0: I love that answer. We're off to a great start, one for one. I love Brian Green. He's somebody who can take such an abstract and far out concept and bring it down to a level where normal folk like myself can easily digest it. I really appreciate the way he uh, explains, and he's a great communicator. Um, good stuff. Thank you for that. Uh, well, you're all right. welcome. Thank you for asking. Of course. Um, what can you, so we've got a, a full packed house here sold out because I knew you were going to be on the show. Many people listening at home. What can you tell the audience about being part of a national advertising campaign for the largest beer company in the world? Hmm.
1: Well, you know, that is one of those things that, um, just being in the right place at the right time and, uh, whatever that, cliche saying is about opportunity being um being ready when opportunity strikes um i'll tell you the the quick story is that i was living in hollywood it was 1989 Mm -hmm. i was uh about a week away from having to um uh you know, get some kind of a job. I had a little money saved up and I, you know, really went out. I went out to Hollywood to go for it, get into TV and film and stuff. And, you know, there's a million other guys like me, a lot of better looking and more talented and so on. And um, I was living in a duplex uh, right off of Sunset Boulevard. And I had a neighbor that uh, we could hear each other through. The walls were so thin. And he was a guy my age. He was an actor too. you know, out there just like me, trying to trying to make it and all that. And he said, "Hey, you want to go on this audition with me today?" And I said, "Sure." What's it for? And he said, "Bud Light." And I said, "Great." He said, "What's the?" I said, "What's the wardrobe?" He said, "Jeans and a t-shirt." So. Check. I hopped on my uh I had a motorcycle my Nighthawk six fifty. Nice that I rode around without a helmet in those days, which was insane. You know, twenty six and you know. Yeah, I could be yeah, right, exactly. And uh anyway, the long story short is I found myself in audition with Brad Pitt and uh a bunch of other, you know, much better looking guys than me and um all right, know, hold on. Time out, time on. That's the second time. And...
0: Hold on a second. That's the second time you said that. Just for everyone to know, I know this is an audio uh, medium here, but Bob is a very good-looking guy. So he keeps talking about all oh, these guys are better-looking. He's being modest and humble. Okay, so keep keep going, Bob. But let's not let's not get too self. Oh self-deprecating. Man, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a,
1: I'm an ugly slob. Man. <laughs> I'm sticking with that. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> Oh man. So anyway, uh, you know, it just, they, uh, I guess whatever it was, they, they, I was a good mix with the other guy that they cast. Yep. Um, it ended up being a spot for, uh, uh, one, uh, it was one commercial with an option to do six additional spots. We ended up doing about 17 of them over wow. the next five years. Uh, That's called so yeah, that was run. a dream gig and, yeah. uh, it was a great gig. And, um, in fact, I, Brad and I knew each other cause we were the same age. We were out auditioning for stuff and we had shared a, a, uh, place off of Melrose there for a, uh, summer. Um, so we knew each other well enough and he hit me up after the audition and he said, you know, what they hell are you doing there? And, uh, I said, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just kind of mumbled something cause I didn't want to give him an edge. Right. Um, but then uh, I saw, I would see him around then, and uh, I had that gig going. And he had not yet done Thelma and Louise. Okay. So uh, I, I was ahead of Brad for about two years, and then Thelma and Louise, and then well, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, you know what? Being,
1: but it was a lot of fun, man. It being ahead of, of Brad
0: Pitt for two years is better than 99% of the guys on this planet. So uh, two, <laughs> two years is nothing nothing wrong with that. So how pissed— was spuds mckenzie because didn't you guys you know it's funny yeah Yeah.
1: we were yeah we were so we were the between the dog and the frogs uh (laughs) in in historical bud light perspective but the funny thing is spuds was actually a female her name was eva okay and uh they we did they were phasing spuds out they were creating a new campaign for bud light what they call their adult contemporaries. So they came up with this concept of a Bud Light truck, wherever the truck showed up, there were these two truck drivers and the truck would turn into a giant boom box and go up the side of a building and, uh, transform into a race car. and Just all these kind of theme kind of, uh, sure. effects deals. And they brought Spuds in and, you know, Spuds got treated better than any of us. There was a the limo brought her in and, <laughs> Um, she ended up passing away not to, too much longer after that. But. Uh,
0: well, that'll <laughs> get in Mexico facing.
1: all alone,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Last penny, <laughs> living above a whorehouse, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, did you guys obviously? So, this the, the interesting thing about this when I learned this about you, you know, whatever it was over a year ago, was from 89 to like you know, when, when you're 19 to 23, like beer is much more important to you than it probably ever was before or ever will be again. And so 1989 to 1991, those were like my prime college drinking years. And I remember those commercials. Um, And and, and it's so funny how beer marketing has, has changed and evolved because back then it was like loud eighties party. We're going to bring the party to you. We're going to open it up and we're going to go crazy. And now it's, it's definitely not that way anymore. It's a little bit more subtle. um How much free beer did you get as a result of being part of that campaign?
1: You know it's funny they um
0: they never really sent free beer but uh
1: but they paid me very well hmm. um, <laughs> so every time you were at a party and uh one of those spots ran uh the register rang so the the residual income uh I when see. you get a taste of it, it's a beautiful thing. You do something one time you get paid over and over again. But uh That is beautiful. They gave they you know, they gave us some perks. There was uh some of the wardrobe stuff, there were some cool jackets and uh some of the swag was a lot of fun, but um you know, they paid me well enough that I could afford to buy beer. But of course I bought Heineken and uh you know <laughs> Well, because you're not a beer. slob, right? I
0: mean, you know. Let's get serious here. Heineken What's, over Bud Light all day long.
1: The first, uh, the first rat party, uh, they had an uh, open bar and, uh, you know, of course, uh, I went and got a Heineken or whatever it was. And, um, I remember it was a Heineken because the, I, I'm standing next to the, uh, the senior brand manager for Bud Light who ended up becoming like, uh, one of the like top, maybe the number four guy at Anheuser-Busch before he went off and uh, created his own thing, guy named Bob Lackey. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty well-known guy in the, a uh, lot of cachet, obviously. Uh, you know, Their budget was like a billion dollars for their ad budget, so God. they had a lot of dough. But I'm standing next to him, and I've got a, a non-Bud Light beer, and I realized it as I'm talking to him, and he said, he said, don't worry. We all do the same thing. Just put it in a cup next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: bad for the brand. It was pretty cool, though. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's funny. Um, did you ever, like, in any of those 17 commercials, was there any, like, a uh, any famous people or other actors that you might have come across during that, you know, stretch that went on to continue to be actors? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, um, they, uh, let's see, Joe Namath. Um Football player Joe yep. Namath did one of the Bud uh, Bowl, the Bud Bowl spots, which was a Super Bowl sure thing. It was a kind of gimmicky thing with the Bud Light, uh, the Bud Light bottles against the the Budweiser bottles. It was the Bud Bowl, and I
0: remember those things. We
1: sure. we we had the truck, and we got lost on the way to the game, and um, Joe Namath was in that one. Um who else? Uh, there was uh, Hillary Duff. Yep.
2: Um, wow.
1: She was a. Yeah, that was. Um, I don't know what she's doing now, but uh, that's a, a blast from the past. Corbin Burnson, the actor, he Absolutely. was in one of the spots.
0: L.A. Law. L.A. <laughs> Law. Yeah, uh, good man. You are
1: sharp, Ethan. I tell oh, you, you know, with,
0: with random useless TV facts, I've got a couple of. <laughs> I got a couple saved away. Um, speaking of the location,
1: Nate. the location, yeah. Oh go no, go
0: ahead. Location. I want to hear that.
1: Well, the locations were fun too. We, uh, the first one we shot was in, uh, white fans, New Mexico.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, they flew like 12 of us out. And it's funny. I didn't even know really that I was, I thought I was just part of this ensemble thing. We get to white fans, New Mexico, which is beautiful. Have you ever, been, have you ever seen it?
0: No, never
1: it's literally white sand i mean it makes you it looks like it's in the desert wow. um and they we shot the spot there and it was uh, this kind of theme with camels and uh, uh the Bud light truck shows up and there's a magic party i don't know it kind of cloaks in like that star trek thing where sure. it's invisible and then the, the truck shows up and the romantic, de, de, that's what I like about you. you You're where home and And if you know that song, I, I mean, that was all that post punk kind of music. Yeah. So we're in white sands and uh, they pull me and this other guy, Jeff Stevens into uh, this room. And um, they said, okay, you guys are the, the, uh, the truck drivers. Um, you know, if this spot tests, well, we're going to shoot six more. Um, so there was a little bit of pressure on the line to make sure that we, we brought our a game, but that was a pretty cool location. Uh, that spot ran for about a year. And then the Gulf war broke out and they had to pull oh, the spot wow. because of, um, because it was politically incorrect at sure. the time There were, it was, would have been insensitive to the middle East and yada, yada. So,
0: and the veterans the Gulf war, were over there fighting and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah, right. Good point. Yeah. So uh, that was fun. We shot one at Sebring, um, Sebring uh, racetrack in Florida. We shot one directed by Tim Newman, who directed the ZZ Top, um, the ZZ Top (laughs) bit where they, uh, they, they disappear. They kind of, they do that uh, thing with their hands and and then they disappear. Tim Newman, Randy Newman's brother, directed that spot. So that was kind of cool. We shot oh, that wow. one on a lot in the Hollywood, uh, I think, at uh, Century City Studios or something like that. I, my memory's fading, man. It was a long time ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. That's, that's, that's good color. You know, the one thing, Joe Namath, obviously, huge football star, Broadway Joe, you know, kind of one of the first flashy quarterbacks ever in the NFL Hall of Famer. But the only thing I can think of every time I hear his name is that interview he did with Susie Colbert, where he was like completely wasted on the sideline and basically trying to kiss her. I want to kiss you. It's all I can think about. Uh, and, yeah. and here's the craziest part. So, and credit to him, after that night, he hasn't had a drop since. He went cold turkey, and that mm. was like 20 years ago. And the dude hasn't drank since. So here's to Joe Namath. Wow. <clears throat> now you were also he learned his lesson, yeah yeah he did learn his lesson the hard way with about 20 million people watching. Um, what was it like to be on a soap opera? Because you didn't just do commercials. You've been in movies. You've been in TV, and you were, were in a a soap opera for a while. And and I'm not a big soap opera guy, but I've you know I've like everybody else. I've seen them, and every time I I watch one, I always wonder. Okay, are these act? Because it's kind of like it's not tongue in cheek, but it's also a little bit over the top dramatic and borderline yeah. cheesy. Like when you were on the set and you were doing it, were you guys kind of, are all the actors kind of making fun of some of the stuff that's going on? Or are they taking it dead serious? Like I've got to play this dude who just had an affair with his aunt, like totally seriously. Like how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Ethan. And then, uh, I, to be honest with you, my, uh, my soap career wasn't really that extensive. I did, um, I did a gig on The Bold and the Beautiful where I played a reporter. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't really on the inside, uh, Lou, too much. Um, the other one that is kind of ironic that when you're an actor, you're, looking for uh you know it's feast or famine
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i got i did an audition for um uh the young and the wrestles and i got cast and it turned out that the one time that i was working that year we were shooting a bud light spot and because i had the prior commitment i had to honor that and yeah. so i couldn't do that gig but yeah, um you know, uh, I'll tell you who can answer that question better, and I can reference her because uh, I had the opportunity to have a Thanksgiving dinner with her one time, and that was Meg Ryan. Oh, wow. And she she worked on, um, before she went out to Hollywood, she was on, um, I want to say Days of Our Lives. I think it was Days of Our Lives. Sure. She played a Girl called uh, Betty or something in in, in a wheelchair, and um, wow. she was telling some funny uh, stories about how, like on the on the set, at one time they had the, this um, they had the centerpiece, and uh, it somebody it, from the cast brought a big hunk of uh, like government Velveeta cheese. to stick the flowers in instead of the (laughs) foam thing that was supposed to be there. Just little inside bits like that. So I think that the whole idea with the soaps is that they are, you know, they're, like you said, they're supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be serious because uh, the the people that follow the plot lines.
2: Take it seriously, Um, yeah.
1: So it's it's not really, they're, they're not really parodies. They're not really black dark comedies. Right. I think that they are, um, Soaps
0: for for a reason, yeah. You know, that they have that, but, uh,
1: that's a good question.
0: Sure, I wish I had a better answer for no. you. But uh, hey, look, anytime you can bring yeah. up Meg Ryan, America's sweetheart, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good answer. Um, all right, so it's funny. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. I
1: I got I got a couple more stories about her if you want to hear them, or we can move on. Uh, who's
0: gonna move on from Meg <laughs> Ryan? Let's go. All right, great. All right,
1: bingo. So, uh. So that was the, the, the uh, Thanksgiving was, uh, I was probably, it was before I went out to Hollywood mm-hmm. before she went out to Hollywood. So then, uh, uh, I was out there and then I, I would see her. I think I saw her three times when I was out there and every single time I was in a vehicle, I was one time I was on my motorcycle And she pulled up right next to me and I looked over and I said, Hey Meg, it's Bob. Remember years ago, Thanksgiving, she goes, Oh my God. Yeah. The light would turn green and then we both have to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that happened like three times just like that. But that was it.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Just
1: Random stuff in LA. You know, if you wake up and get out of bed, you you'll bump into somebody if you just get out, and you know, go do something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I, I've never seen a lot of famous people, but like half of them that I've seen have been in through LAX when I'm flying through there. It's like you just are always gonna see somebody for sure.
1: So if you keep your eyes peeled, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So you've been you know, you, you gave yourself a year, you went out there, you tried a bunch of things, you, you you acted, you were an actor, you did it. What made you get into acting? You know, what, what was it that you said to yourself, All right, I'm gonna give myself a year and that was smart, by the way. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just kind of figure, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it work. And the odds are, you know, off the charts that people don't make it. But, you, you know, you actually had a, a career there. But what got you into it? Like, what was the motivation for you to say, I want to do that?
1: I made a video for my mother's 50th birthday
0: mm-hmm.
1: with my brother. and We did Monty Python sketches and oh, my mom said bob she she loved it she uh she threw her tears she said bob you really should go to hollywood and i said oh yeah that's a great idea <laughs> so Done. i packed up everything and i i drove from jacksonville florida i you know but that's sort of uh obviously uh, the shortened version of the whole story, but, uh, yeah, but that's, that's You good. know, I uh, when I, I was in school, I went to college, I went to Ohio University, Athens, Ohio, and mm-hmm. I majored in business, but I always had an interest in um, in theater and and uh, comedy and stuff like that, sure. and um, I got out of college, I went down to Jacksonville, Florida, I got a sales job, and Lasted about six months at that. Um, I landed one account, CSX Railroad, and I said, "Well, okay, that's that's my sales career is done." But uh, tell you, you know, that was a real motivator. I mean, uh, just having the blessing of my folks to kind of go out and live my dream. I had, I think, I had like three thousand bucks to my name. I had a, a Subaru. I loaded it up. Uh, I drove out interstate 10. I got out to LA. I had a friend from college that was, um, a gopher for, uh, which is a runner, uh, which is basically an Aaron Boyd for Jim Burroughs, who oh, wow. was the director of cheers and a bunch of other shows. Yeah. You're familiar with him. Yep. Um, so I, I crashed it in his apartment, probably a little longer than I should have, uh, you know, on the couch. And, uh, I auditioned for some things. Actually, the first thing I ever auditioned for out there uh, at the time, I think I didn't have a car at this point for whatever reason. Okay. Uh, I think I had a bicycle. So I biked to the bus, <laughs> to a bus uh, uh, pickup. Yep. The audition was in San uh, San, uh Sam whatever. You know El, uh, sure. California, there's a Sam every something. One of the Sam. San Pedro. Okay. Right. Which was like a three hour bus ride. So I got this bus at like five in the wow. morning. I fi- I finally got after two transfers, I got to this thing and uh it was one eight hundred the law two. It's all the law you need. And it was a it was a non union local buyout thing. And the thing ran for thousands of times, uh, in LA. Uh, and it was a, it was a non-union buyout, which means that they pay you 250 bucks and thank you very much. And they have the right to use it as much as they want, as long as they want. Oh, they 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 killed that thing. But, um, but it all came full circle with, uh, with Bud Light and then with, um, I did uh, Black and Decker, Levi's, Saturn, um, wow. That's some really of cool. those spots. So, you know, the motivation was um just being young and going for it and honestly I I felt like it was I was pretty idealistic a teenager and Twenty-something guy, I wanted to change the world and and uh, make it a better place and sure. have some kind of impact. And I thought, you know, I saw other, I, I would see activist type of actors, uh, you know, at the time like Harrison Ford and people that use that kind of leverage. And I thought, well, if I was going to change the world and make it make a difference in the world, what what options do you have to do that? And right. You know, either figure out how to make a lot of money, or become famous, or you know, get into politics, which wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll become a famous actor and change the world. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. But uh, <laughs> life is, uh, has a funny way of uh, learning you. It <laughs> learned me good. <laughs> that is that is true. All right,
0: so you're a Florida native. You you, you drive out to LA. <clears throat> um, you, you give it a shot. You, you actually make it happen more than most. How do you wind up after Florida, California? How do you wind up in New Hampshire?
1: Yeah, good question. I had kids. My, yeah. uh, I met, uh, I met my, uh, the mother of my children, um, out there. And, uh, we had, uh, We had uh, two children. My son just turned, actually my son's birthday is today. He just turned 20 today. Happy birthday. It was literally, yeah, thanks man. It was literally 20 years ago. uh, Right about around now, he was uh, just a baby, just newborn when we moved out here. Um, It was a really, at that point, um, I had stopped acting. We had started a company Mm -hmm. that was uh, paying uh, talent for commercials and we did well enough that I didn't really have to go out and grind it out auditioning and and stuff like that anymore. And and honestly, it's, it's a brutal uh, lifestyle. I mean, it's, you're literally as good as your last job and it's, you're constantly um, having to prove yourself and audition. And especially back then the way it was that um, there was a thing, I don't want to go into the weeds too much on the process, but man, it is, the whole industry has definitely changed a lot. And it's, it seems like actually now there was a period of time where there wasn't as much opportunity
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because they used to have the old studio system and that's kind of where uh, Al Pacino and, and De Niro and Marlon Brando, even, you know, before right. those guys, even Brando and those guys, they had a studio system and you'd get a contract and you, you, know, you could work on stuff. And then there was, you know, then the free agent system. Uh, but when I was out there, reality TV started to become a real thing. So now there's more actors chasing fewer jobs and fewer and fewer and fewer. And then all of a sudden everybody's a star or a, or, uh, not so much a star, but everybody's a, a walking producer, a director, right. writer, producer with, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We one of the first times that Val Kilmer uh, was a friend, uh, actually, because one of the Bud Light spots I did, the AD was a friend of his brother's, and his brother and I started playing tennis, and then Val and I started playing tennis and volleyball and stuff. But he had, we were uh, driving one time, and this phone rang, and he picked it up. And remember those giant phones, (laughs) those big, like, uh, military style with the antenna and he picked it up and he was very apologetic. He looked over and he said, sorry, man, I got to take this. <laughs> and, he, and he had the cord and it had the, you know, the cord that plugged into the car. Oh yeah. Um But that technology, you know, we, nobody had, we didn't have cell phones and we weren't, I think of all the selfies that I could have taken with the people that I right. randomly you know, hung out with and met out there would, um, but, uh, you you
0: know, I got the memories. Gotcha. All right. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, you are stranded on a deserted Island. Okay. Now the good news is plenty of water, uh, plenty of shelter. You got a place to, to hang out. Um, and it's not hot, but you've got to only pick one food, One food that you eat, so you got plenty of water, but you have to pick one food, one musical artist to listen to. It can be their entire catalog, right? But it's one. And then one TV show. And again, it can be the entire TV show history, but it can only be the one. What's your TV show, musical artist, and food on the Island of Bob? Well,
1: I guess I'll have to go with sushi, Oh, there you um, go. Do I get, uh, can I get like uh, the torched, uh, the torched mayo and stuff like that? Or oh, it's abs- just raw fish? No, no, no. What's, can, the, what's the criteria? Well, it just turns. I it, could get full vote.
0: Oh, yeah. It turns out that you can get any kind of sushi you want on this island. It's it's one of those unique oh, places. Then, yeah, let's go,
1: with, yeah let, let's go with the sushi, I guess.
0: That's a good one. Um musical artist.
1: I'd probably have to say just for for an entire catalog. Uh I'd probably have to say the Beatles, just because yeah. they the breadth of their music was so amazing and Which that would include. Go ahead. Yeah. Like the basement tapes and the outtakes and the. Sure. The stuff that never got released. Yeah. I'd probably have to go with the Beatles, I guess. Yeah,
0: that's a good one.
1: TV show. The first thing that popped to mind was Steinfeld.
0: Love it. Um, Only one bad season. That's
1: 10 years. Yeah. That's, yeah,
0: yeah, the first one,
1: the pilot season. Which was the bad season? What do you think was the bad season?
0: Uh, I was, you know, it's funny now that you say the first one, I know what you mean because it was a totally different format. It was much more like half stand up, half, you know, story, and the story never got as developed. And they changed it. I was thinking about the last season, in particular, the last episode. Um, I think. It, oh, it, the it, ending. It's, yeah, yeah, it lost a little bit of quality at the end. I mean, every show does. Even The Office was not so great mm. at the end, but but I, I think. By and large, in terms of quality of material, it's bad. It, it, it's very difficult to find a bad episode of Seinfeld. It's 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 a challenge. They
1: did, yeah, they they did a good job. That was, uh, it, yeah, I think it stands up over time, too. Yeah.
0: I'd have to throw
1: in Monty Python in there, too. If, it's just, if, I could, if there's some way to amalgamate, if that's the right word, yeah. Monty Python with Seinfeld, that would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe the mon- maybe I could, maybe I could get a, maybe a, I could get granted a, uh, in between episodes, like the intermissions would be Monty Python sketches. Then I'd be, I could live on that island for a long time.
0: I think that's perfectly reasonable to request. Little <laughs> Thank you, yeah, I appreciate that's, that. That's, that's reasonable.
1: <laughs> you'll you'll be the first guy uh, when I get deserted on an island. You're gonna be the guy that I get, You're gonna be my go-to, my man Perfect,
0: perfect. So you've mentioned Monty Python twice. I grew up loving Monty Python. It was on PBS every once in a while. You'd get like a naked woman, which was always a treat because the British people didn't care. And PBS hadn't stopped showing, you know, mammary glands yet. And the comedy Mm. was so different and the comedy was so striking. And it was just like, wow, this is not like anything that I've ever seen. Um, What was, and, and I'm sure you, you know, experienced the same thing, you know, maybe a different age. But, you know, you've watched it and enjoyed it. What was the one sketch that you could point to for someone that's never seen monty python that you were going to say okay watch this one little vignette because it's not it's a lot different than like you know your traditional snl or even like a sketch show um they were so intelligent so intelligent so what's the one sketch that you would pick and say you got to watch this if you want to get it the four yorkshiremen
1: oh that's very possible very possible Who'd have thought 30 years ago we'd all be sitting here drinking Chateau de Chateau Wine, I Ah, eh? uh, I remember we were young, we had nothing. We used to have to live in a rolled up newspaper, all 20 of us. There's four guys, they're on stage and they're each trying to outdo the other. Yep, yep. And it just, it escalates into the most absurd, um uh, just, it, Absolutely ludicrous. Uh they're each each they each one is up upping the other.
2: Sure.
1: We used to have to uh get up in the morning half an hour before I went to bed, lick the road clean with our tongues. And when our dad came home he'd dance about on our graves singing hallelujah. <laughs> you try to tell the kids that today and they don't believe you. That um, would be my favorite bit. And go. I didn't do it justice. Oh. I, I, I what are you Again, talking about? My yeah, accent and everything. You're
0: there. <laughs> makes me want to go watch all the old ones. I, there's a documentary. I think it was on Netflix. Um, that kind of showed the, the origination of Monty Python and how they started off as like a, a sideshow on somebody else's BBC channel. And then just, the, you know, their talent and their intellect was just hard to ignore. Michael Palin mm. was such a force and they ended up becoming their very own uh, machine. So uh, quite a, Talented group. Pretty amazing, yeah. yeah it really is. Okay, so I understand that you are a licensed pilot for private aircraft. Do you still fly? Mm-hmm. I have not flown since... Uh, well, I had my
1: solo in October 12th of
2: 1998.
1: Okay. I soloed in Santa Monica. And... Um, Then my uh, daughter was born in 99 and my son was born in 01. And that uh, tends to put a damper on things like flying airplanes around (laughs) (laughs) for fun, you know. That would do it. But our original idea was I got my license uh, that we had this lofty idea that we would – buy a home somewhere out of L.A., just get out of the the thick of it. And we would have uh, vertical freedom by, you know, flying in when we needed to. And that was kind of our big, big dream idea. But um, that was a harrowing experience. I, I bent a little metal one time. I really? flew my first cross country solo was from Santa Monica into Santa Barbara and uh beautiful, obviously part of the world. Uh, but I flew in and I got a crosswind that I was just not ready to, I just didn't have enough experience. And I veered off the, the runway. Um, and I bent, the, uh, I bent a little metal that day. And, uh, I had to have the owner of the airplane fly up. I was flying, I, I flew a, um, uh, a Cessna and um, I had the uh, the owner came up and he had this little Grumman. it was a little two-seater with kind of a bubble,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, just a glass bubble. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most beautiful experiences I ever had. It was like flying into space. Because wow. the horizon, when you're up at twenty five hundred and thirty five hundred feet, you're looking straight out and it was now it was dark the it, it, it was sun it clear skies, and it looked like we were just flying into space. It was beautifully flight, but mm. it was also um, a little humbling because I had to pay his deductible and so on. <laughs> but hey, it you know was a, it, you know if you any flight that you any landing you walk away from is a good one. Right? I was
0: gonna say bending metal is better than melting or breaking metal. So, you know, that's yeah. wow. Have you ever flown an ultralight?
1: I have not, no. Have you?
0: No, I. you know, it's no. like I'm not a very good flyer. I don't I mean I used to fly all the time for work. Um and I I just it straight up it just makes me nervous. Um I feel like it shouldn't be in the air, mm. you know, at that height. But for some reason, I don't know why it's so contradictory, but ultralights, just when I see them in the air, I'm like, oh, that would be so cool to be like, you know, a hundred feet in the air, just kind of cruising over everything. Peaceful. and Peaceful. Yeah. But what I, you know, I talk to people that are, that are pilots and they always tell me that it's, it's like a hundred times more dangerous than flying in a jet. So why, why bother? So I've never have, but you know, who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah, why not? That's right. All right. so uh, Someday aisle. Someday... <laughs> that's right. That's right. Are um, you living on Someday, on some, someday Aisle? I, I am. I, every day is Someday Aisle. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> you, you live in the Seacoast area, a, as I do. What's your favorite local restaurant? And it can be for takeout or it can be for for, for going there. But if you had to give a shout out oh. to one establishment, what would it be?
1: Hands down, uh, Ornell's uh, Barbecue yes. in Kittery, just over the bridge, in uh, the Memorial Bridge in Kittery. Absolutely. Best barbecue. And consistently, my wife and I, we get the same thing every time. We get the ribs, their chicken, and their baked potato. And it's every single time, it's just as good as it was the last time. They've yet to fail. Um, Ornell's.
0: Yeah. I love Ornell's, and I love it in particular. Uh, everything you said is true. Uh, the waitstaff's, So was great. Cool little bar. And the summertime outside it is a killer place to watch the sunset uh, down mm. by the creek, you know, Badger's Island. So the water there, yeah. For anyone listening, go check it out. It's a very good suggestion. I love Ornell's. Um, good one. All right. What's sure. the best concert? Live? Musical concert, or for that matter, it could be a play, it could be anything but a live performance that you've ever seen.
1: It's gonna have to be um, Grateful Dead. Nice, great, Grateful Dead, uh, U- USC. The pavilion at USC, the Grateful Dead, it was a a
0: mind blower. They can can do that to you. What year was that? Had
1: to be probably, well, Jerry was still alive. Okay. So when did Jerry pass? 80?
0: No, no, I think it was like 90.
1: 90 something? 90 something. So it had to be had to be like 80, 80, 87, 88, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um,
0: so right before remember, like Touch of Grey, is that when the Touch of Grey thing happened and everybody who never really was into the dead all of a sudden bought a tie-dye? Remember that period of time? I do
1: remember that. I remember the first time I heard that tune, I was in Hawaii and I was driving around a corner and there were... Um, there were whales that were breaching. Is that the right word? Yeah. They, were, they were, uh, they were breaching the water. And I came around this corner and the touch of gray, I had a cranking on the radio wow. and, and there were these whales and it was in Hawaii and it was, uh, I'll never, you know how some songs you hear them and you
0: yeah, just, can
1: you know exactly where you were, what you're doing.
0: Yeah. That's cool. But
1: my friend was, uh, Buddy of mine that I was roommates with out there, he was uh, manager for the Scorpions, so uh, hair like band a back hurricane. in the day,
0: sure, German, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, So he always had back backstage passes and stuff, and we he hooked us up to that dead show, and uh, I was I got to walk around backstage, and there were some porta potties back there, and as I headed towards one the door opens and who comes out Jerry Garcia
2: no way.
1: Um, right right in front of me I'm like hey great show jerry he's like thanks man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is freaking cool so i've only i, I only saw them twice both of them with 91 it was uh, foxborough and then buffalo and i'll be honest i mean I, at the time All my friends were really into them. They were going on tour. I just wasn't into that scene. It was just, it wasn't my thing. And I really didn't dig the music as much then, but now I find myself, I'll go into work in the morning and I'll put on some tunes to get the day going. And it's given me a whole new level of appreciation of how good they were at writing songs. I mean, they've got, they've got some really good songs and it's a deep catalog and I could listen to 10 or 12 dead songs in a row and just hear something different every time I hear them. Um, So it makes me appreciate what I really didn't appreciate then about them now, just looking back and listening from my desk as opposed to in the middle of, you know, 75,000 people tripping their balls off, you know, so, but it was. uh,
1: Yeah. They, um, they broke a lot of ground in a lot of ways. Yeah. One of my favorites, I was just thinking about that today, that uh, how they sort of democratized their, They just they they let people tape. They would let people. I remember going to shows. They encouraged it. They would have. That's right. There was a whole section of of people that would. uh, Back then, it was uh, MP3 uh, players or recorders, and guys would have microphones on, and they would all be surrounding the. um, The um, the. the control board, the sound board, which is obviously the guy is going to be in the best place. That's right. Position for to hear the, the band coming off. Did you see the story? The guy was in the wall street journal today. There's a guy that built a miniature replica of the wall of sound
2: no. in his
1: basement, like one sixteenth, the size of the real original wall of sound. Wow. That wow. That's took cool. the dead crew, like, sixteen hours each time to to put it up and disassemble it in between shows. It was a total nightmare for the for the crew, but there's a guy in um in Connecticut that uh he's got a lot of a lot of uh Facebook attention now. He's built this little mini replica in his basement.
0: You know, COVID people
1: are doing all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: But uh, so that was pretty funny. That's a good one.
0: So uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you and I met at a improv class in Newburyport. Um, I, I kept doing a few more with those same people, and then I started doing uh, UCB, um, and I'm on my second uh, class with UCB, which which has been great, more long form. Have you continued on with, any kind, of, with any kind of like... A, Where, Ethan? UCB. Where did you say oh, you were taking this? Uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, UCB. Oh... Where's uh So they're based in LA. They've got one in New York. It's it's the place. Amy Poehler and uh, uh, three other Matt Besser and Ian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat, they they founded it. You know, a million yeah. years ago. They all came from the Improv Olympics and founded that. And then, you know, it's a long list of people that have been there. And they, they just gotta, have, they're doing something out here with it. No, no, no. Locally? It's all
1: Zoom. Oh, it's Zoom. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: and it, I got to be honest. So when when COVID first happened, there was a company I I started doing a a face to face improv, and they went to Zoom, and I was just like, Nah, I'm not going to do that. And then Charlie yeah. from the Newbury Actors, you know, studio, his went to Zoom as well, and I already paid, so I'm like, All right, well, sure, I'll give it a try, and I ended up liking it a mm-hmm. lot more than. I thought I was going to because I think a big part of improv is being, you know, reading somebody's body language and being able to, you know, give something in that way physically. And you can't, you can't, which you did
1: well on. I remember you, you had a good, not everybody has it. You You either have it or you don't. I think it's difficult to teach people to be, to listen. And I, I remember you of all the people in the, our class, you had a good knack for listening and being in the moment and do, you know, coming up with some clever off the cup stuff. Oh, Not that really I'm trying kind. to suck up to you cause you're, you know, <laughs> the host of the show, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate
0: that. That's, that's really cool. But if you um, did suck, I would tell you, I would, well, uh, I'm, I would sure be of, honest. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, and I got to tell you, you have, since, you have no, you have no chance. <laughs> since, since, right, exactly. You really ought to, you really ought to, don't do this yet again. It's time to go home now. Yeah, no. I, in, yeah. You need, you need to drop this. It's, it's time to give it a rest, but I will say this when you decided to not do it the next time I was bummed because I felt like you, uh, you know, in the same way that I'll, I'll give the compliment right back to you. I mean, you were definitely funny great sense of timing good listener and you were willing to put yourself out there in any situation. So when you didn't do it anyways, the question that I had for you about all this was, are you doing any kind of online, you know, acting class or online, any kind of zoom, anything, or, or have you kind of just put that on the shelf for now?
1: Yeah, I, I tell you honestly, Ethan, I, I've shelved it. I just, um, you know, I, I, I had a great run. I had a lot of great experiences i I got my Andy Warhol fifteen minutes sure. um, I got some some great memories and uh, you know i I think at this stage um, you know a few years ago I went kind of back and I got some headshots and uh, uh, or some we'll, well I guess we'll call them brand uh, or professional uh image uh, photos or whatever um and i thought well you know i i had uh my kids were not as um are were becoming less dependent on having me around and and being integral in in the day-to-day stuff and um so i i i plugged back in a little bit i did a few auditions with um boston casting and you know, I got some good feedback from her, from Angela down there, and, you know, but honestly, driving down to Boston from here to go audition and stuff like that, it's like, you know, been there, done that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, no, I, I, I pretty much, uh, hung it up. You know, if, um, if there's a, a fun play or something or some improv or, Somebody shooting a film that I know, or or something, I would, um, you know, I would certainly jump in and and um, and go back. But I don't miss the, you know, it's not, it's really not that glamorous. Honestly, it's uh, it's a grind, and you you spend hours and hours. Uh, I mean, I kind of sound like sour grapes now at this point. No, but no, no, no. You just you just speak It's a reality. little tedious, you know. It, yeah. yeah, it's just, you know what, I had a great run, uh, and uh, I did some stuff that, uh, you know, uh, was,
0: I my parents were proud. Amen. <laughs> <Hey, laughs> you know? like, I made my parents proud. There for, you go. You know? look, look, at the end of the day, again, I'll say the same yeah. thing I said, you know, 20 minutes ago. You did it. You actually were, and, and you were ahead of Brad Pitt for two years, and you were on a national many, you know, TV commercials and and, and some movies and, and soaps, and you hung out with Meg Ryan at stoplights. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those experiences. Those are all plus, plus, plus. Those are all adults. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, uh, that's to, cool.
1: It was a great run. It was a great run, yeah. So. All right,
0: so sadly we're down to our last two questions. Uh, one's easy right. and one's not as easy. So the easy one is uh, what is your golf handicap?
1: The last time I checked, it was about uh,
0: fourteen. I think. Okay, that's legit. That means you're a decent. You're...
1: I have a decent. You I have get... a decent golf swing. I can I can swing a golf. I've got a great. I can. I've got a great pose. My pose is awesome. <laughs> you know that. You know what I mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know I what I mean. Yeah. You get. You look you, good you, on a on a You team. do that swing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, you you got the thing, and then. And then you got at the end and your in your chest is facing, you know, the thing and you got the, the right foot, the back foot is up sure. and you got that pose. I got, I got that nailed. Got I'm, that I got that, I'm tight. Hey, I got that tight. That, but then,
0: um, Everyone can see that more than they can then, see the ball. Everyone's like, where the fuck did the ball go? But everyone can see that pose at the end. That's important.
1: The pose, the pose is key. I tell you what, I, I look great on a golf course, my scorecard, Ends up being. I will invariably go out, and I'll. I will almost. If I don't play for a year, I'll go out and I'll par, I'll par, par, bogey, birdie, snowman. Yeah. That's yeah. basically how it goes. You know, like I'll. I don't know where that came from. Muscle memory. I'll par the first couple holes. I'll get the uh, the odd birdie, and then bango, uh, it'll all fall apart it on, on one off. hole, and then. Yeah, I start thinking about the course record,
0: and then that's all she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> right, you get a little bit ahead of yourself, that's all. All right, so, yeah. um, all right, last question. Uh, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, four ex-presidents up there in one of the Dakotas. I forget if it's north or south. And I always like to ask people their Mount Rushmore of things. They can pick four things. So what is your Mount Rushmore of comedy movies? I think it's unfair to ask someone what Russell, uh, of comedy movies of, of, of movies what? movies that are comedies. Comedies.
1: Oh, okay. not nah, the Mount Rushmore of comedy movies. Okay, yeah. um, okay. Uh, a, uh, well, I'm going to have to say uh, it is a little dated now, but the fish called Wanda. Oh, um, love it. I saw I saw that film on a Saturday in Carmel, California. Sure. And I went back the next day. I've never done that before in my life. I'd go back to see a movie again the next day. Yeah. Um, but I just, because maybe because it was John Cleves, whatever. And um, Michael Palin. And Michael Palin. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin Klein, um, and, uh, the, uh, the wife, um, uh, I know I'm I, I'm diverging off the question, but no, John okay. Cleese's wife in that movie, um, and I'm completely blanking on her name. She was one of our instructors. I went did a thing for a summer in um, Oxford, uh, the British American Drama Academy. Um, uh, all right, I'll it'll come to me uh, anyway. Uh, so that that one, um, a dark comedy is. Uh, um, king of comedy love it which is not really i mean it's kind of dark but it's it's just so there's just some bits in there that are that are extremely funny um you know and i i hate to say this but i would i would normally include probably a woody allen film in there Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, truth be told, I, I don't know if I can support the guy anymore. You know, I, I, mm. I, did you see the HBO, um, the, the thing of Pharaoh versus Allen?
0: I haven't seen it yet. No, but it's the whole uh, thing disturbs me because that was such a, I mean, you know, you grow up watching somebody's movies and thinking that they're just such a comedic genius. And then, you know, this weird shit goes down and it's like, ah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So no, I haven't seen it, but I get get the dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The artist versus the, the, the person, you know, do you, do you judge the, do you judge the art or the person and it's kind of hard not to right now, but you know, like Broadway, Danny Rose and you know, some of those Woody Allen comedies were pretty special stuff. Um, Well, look, we talked about Monty Python, so we got to throw in, we gotta throw in uh The Life of Brian. Yep. The Life of Brian, King of Comedy, Fish um, Called Wanda. Fish Cold Wanda and uh
0: George Washington. George Washington. <laughs> Oh, Mount gonna, Rushmore. Gonna, I got it. I got it. All right. Well, you know, I, and that, that's, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say that's in place of the Woody Allen one that can't be named because of political reasons. Now you're talking, was it Jamie Lee okay. Curtis or was it Maria Aiken? Mariah Aiken. Thank Mariah you. Aiken, okay. thank you. Mar- Mariah Aiken.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was, uh, gotcha. she was one of the instructors at this British American drama Academy. Cool. Um, along with, uh, Judy Dench and Derek Jacoby and Jeremy Irons and some other cool
0: Dame Judy English
1: Dench. folks. Dame Judy Dench. Yes, yeah.
0: Yes. And Sir, Sir Derek. Yeah. That's right. You know, I, I, gotta tell you the quick, quick thing on fish called Wanda. And I'll let you fly. The one thing I always remember from that, um, was Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein was a monster role in that movie. And, so and good when it's things so fall good, apart yeah. and he goes into the safe and the shit's not there. Disappointed, I just love that. Disappointed, <laughs> just yeah. losing his shit.
1: He has some iconic one.
0: yeah. Yeah, the guy
1: would cut him off. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> That's it,
0: over and over. <laughs> so American, so American. All right, well, listen, yeah. Bob, I really appreciate your time. You've been a pleasure. If you could see what the audience here is doing you'd be blown away they're they're doing the wave for you they're clapping they're cheering i mean you can probably hear them um and and it's been a pleasure it's been too long i'm glad we connected i hope everything is well with with you and the fam happy birthday to your son and uh if you're ever in downtown portsmouth this summer and you want to grab a drink say the word my man
1: 100 percent. man we're on let's do it i appreciate you too my friend and uh Keep up the good work. I look forward to hearing your uh, your next episode.
0: All right, dude. Appreciate it. Have a great night, Bob. Hey, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Take you take care. All right. See you.
1: Peace. Bye.